Hey there, fans. Welcome to another episode of Tampa Bay Cop Talk. We've got rambling rivals for you as we bring you uh, an, op- an opposing voice to get you ready for the city game coming up at the weekend. I'm Darius Thigpen, and we've got John Ashley of Main Road Ramble joining us today. Well, John, we're, we're here in Tampa, so we've got to ask for the rest of the nation, uh, how's the weather where you are? Uh, well, we we had I like five and a half inches of snow on Friday, um, but that's all gone now. Um, but yeah, it was I think it's like feels like about twenty three out there right now. It's pretty it's pretty chilly for this time of year, even for us. But um, Massachusetts has four seasons, and I I think I'd rather have that. I, you know, I I went to Miami for the Premier League mornings mm-hmm. uh, event last. December and I love being away from the snow for a while but I think I I think I would get bored of the sun but that might be my Mancunian complexion I, th- I think it's nice to miss it every now and again but uh for me I'm like on the opposite end it's like it's nice to visit the snow living in it ah, I've been there done that so that's, that's fair. Yeah, John let's go ahead and get started with this as we look at the uh, the recent rivalry between Liverpool and Manchester City so there have been some huge games between these two teams just in the last few years, you go back to the 2017-18 season where mm-hmm. Sadio Mane decides he's going to try to take a chunk out of uh, Ederson. And, uh, ah, well, that, that goes well for Liverpool, actually. No, it's 5-0 for City in that game. Liverpool come back, win the second leg um, in the Premier League and then end the dreams of Manchester City in the Champions League. Well, the year following, it's a very tense Premier League going right down to literally inches as you have one shot for Sadio Mane, go in, Oh, no, it's cleared off the line. And then Leroy Sané. I think it was millimeters. Millimeters, really? Darius, yeah. Yes, I mean, down to it. We do metric over in the UK, but (laughs) yeah, they, you know, inches, inches is is way too much considering how close that was to going in. John Stones, Mm -hmm. City legend, just for that moment. And Leroy Sané getting the the winning goal in that match in just one point separating the teams in that season, 2018-19. And then last year, Liverpool and City, well, you, you got one end controversy could have been a handball, maybe on one side. On the other side, Fabinho descends in a top shelf strike, and Liverpool often running in a 3 1 win at Anfield. Never quite looked back to the rest of the Premier League from there. So here we are Liverpool and City, two teams that have been the standard in the Premier League over the last few seasons. So before we get into uh, the X's and O's, just from an irrational standpoint of a fan, uh, has this been a matchup where you go in? dreading it do you hate Liverpool do you kind of think of it as just another game where do you stand as a City fan looking at Liverpool so it's a really interesting question because had you asked me this question four years ago my answer would be completely different and and that doesn't really have to do with Liverpool's challenging of City uh, and you know the ups and downs that both teams have had in recent years and, and the battles, especially, as you mentioned, in, in 2018, 19, um, it, it does for me come down to the fans. Um, and you mentioned that Champions League quarterfinal in 2017, 18. Um, for me, I wouldn't really call it a rivalry. I would, I would kind of call it more bad blood that was initially driven by a small group of Liverpool fans, um, but then spread to both groups. Um, City and Liverpool fans used to be on pretty good terms. You know, we had this common enemy, especially in the first, yeah, exactly. In the first like 20 years of the the Premier League, um, I I, I mean, Liverpool were up there with the teams that I enjoyed watching. My dad took me to a a Liverpool 
Wimbledon game in like 96 at Anfield. And I think Jamie Redknapp got both goals, but it was, you know, it was really fun to be at Anfield and, and, and see the cop and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I recall kind of hoping that Liverpool would win in Istanbul in 2005 and, and really enjoying that comeback. But I, I think speaking about that Champions League game in 2017-18, those that small minority of fans that threw uh, projectiles at the city bus and and the players' bus and basically destroyed it, made it they had to get a different bus out of Anfield after that defeat. And um, I think that was the the kind of catalyst and the spark for what everything is now between those two sets of fans um and I, I from a city perspective city fans thought that that was very downplayed the you know the uh the attack on the bus um and and i think had it happened in reverse um there would have been a lot more outcry in the media um in the uk at least because that it is so liverpool dominated or ex-liverpool player dominated or was back then at least um, so I think it comes down to that kind of petty fan rivalry, not even rivalry, just like dislike. Um, and that's what it comes down to. And the refusal um, on both sides to kind of see eye to eye and, and just call, call past indiscretions, indiscretions and move on. Well, I mean, there's so many things that go into the into that. It's not just the fact that it's Liverpool and City, the football teams. It's Manchester and Liverpool. Just a natural rivalry mm-hmm. there that's been going for, oh, what's that been, over 100 years. So you've got that playing in. Um, okay, Not just down you, to football as well. Not down just down to, to football. The, obviously, yeah. down to politics, down to uh, the way that the cities are literally built. You have uh, a lock system to get the river around so you can get – ships into manchester and the fact that city, ship, ship canal yeah, yeah. you got the ship canal and you got you literally have the logo uh it's almost it almost feels like a troll to liverpool to have that being the logo but of course now that is such a big part of the economy of uh manchester but but sticking to uh football that pettiness kind of came up after city wins the title in uh the 2018-19 season going back on the plane after winning mm-hmm. the title you hear uh them singing uh, a version of ale 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 but taking kind of a pot shot at Liverpool. Now, for you, in that kind of nature of pettiness, are you just like, you know what, Liverpool fans, y'all kind of earned this one? Or was that like, oh, it's kind of weird hearing the players get on like that? So I, I don't think that the, the players and the club should have necessarily been responding in that way. Um, because regardless of the, the context and, and, and what City fans were singing about, it was uh, for the players to take that on and start singing it made it a bigger thing and, and made people question it more than I think had been beforehand. Um, I think um, that there were allegations that, that City fans were singing about Sean Cox in that um, the fan who was injured. And I think Roma. that's the point that people get upset about. But I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to kind of like take a little bit of pressure off of you. I'm not asking you to speak on uh, people talking about things that are completely off the table. But let's say more just like uh, the the banter of yeah. Liverpool living rent free in the city players heads that you win the title and oh, we're going to sing about Liverpool, not necessarily the specific uh, lines themselves or that song that we can all say are pretty distinctive. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of it comes down to Raheem Sterling um, and 
you know, the, the, the way that he has grown um, since becoming a City player, since leaving Liverpool for City, the, uh, the reaction from Liverpool legends in the, in, in the British media following that move um, was that uh, Sterling was greedy, that he was uh, a snake for betraying Liverpool, that Jordan Ibe was going to be better than Raheem Sterling ever was, ever would be. Um, and so, and you know, every time Raheem Sterling went back to Anfield after that, it was kind of relentless um, booing and targeting and things like that. And, and that kind of extended in, in, in some respects to England when he played for England as well. Um, and the way that he's overcome that has been fantastic. And so the there is a line in that song about Sterling won the double mm-hmm. and Liverpool won F all. And I, I think that is, for me, I think that is the, 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 the crux of the song is like, it's, it's supporting Raheem um, validating his decision to come to city despite all the flack that he got for 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 making um that move which at the time um where where those clubs were in 2015 16 that was a pretty solid move for 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 Raheem um it would be another couple of years before liverpool were challenging and uh challenging in europe again and so i i think um yeah, as I said, I, I think it was stupid of the, of the players to to sing it, but I can also understand why they did it. And and that banter side of it is in in kind of support and protection of their teammate rather than Liverpool are living rent-free in our heads at that point. Um, because there have been, you know, there have been so much talk about that 2018-19 season being the season that Liverpool would come back and win it. Uh, and... Um, because of that, I think City's achievement of winning the last 14 games straight in the Premier League, which is, you know, when, when you're being chased all the way uh, by a team one point behind you is, is a phenomenal achievement, um, especially after a 100-point season the season before that. So I, I think um, it, it does sadden me that it, it seems to be like one has to be terrible and one has to be great. Um because I think Liverpool and City are actually two very, very, very good teams, but in completely different ways. And we should be appreciating that rather than kind of always looking to kind of dump on one another because uh, that's what the the nature of, I guess, Twitter is these days. I think there are people who will just say, oh, well, that's banter culture. But at the same time, if it goes below the belt, and for most of us, we understand when that line is crossed, that's when it can be, okay, now this is personal. But as far as just the two fan bases go, I still don't see it as being completely toxic. I think I think there's still a lot more of it that's – it's hyper-sensitive because the teams themselves are so good. If this were a middle-table rivalry, I, I don't see this being nearly uh, as, as what it can be at times. Yeah, I, I can take that point in terms of where the two clubs are and what the two clubs are trying to achieve for sure. Um, and I would definitely create a separation between the what I've experienced this side of the Atlantic with what I've experienced in the UK and the, um, the just how tribal being a football fan can be in, in England and what it means um, 
and kind of the micro xenophobia that goes on between people who live 30 miles away from each mm -hmm. other. It's kind of laughable in some ways, but uh, in, you know, it's, it is kind of serious for so many people uh, and um, can be, you know, quite, quite scary at times. I've been at games where it's like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to come out of this without having to visit the ER, but we'll see. Um, and, and so it is that, that, that tribalness and the fact that the, the fans always have to be sitting separately, I think speaks to that as well. Well, I mean, here we have it in American sports, of course, like uh, in the NFL. I'm, I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. So the Philadelphia Eagles, you, you always hear that, um, that they're the worst. They throw batteries. And a lot of times these types of reputations are earned. But it's usually like, as you said at the beginning, it's usually a minority of fans who are doing these kinds of egregiously terrible acts. But like, let's get back to something a little happier, right? So mm -hmm. you being a Manchester City fan, you are not one of these Johnny come late leads. You weren't sitting there waiting on Sheikh Mansour and saying, oh, that's going to be my team now. You've been a Manchester City fan your entire life. So can you kind of take me through what made you a Manchester City fan and uh, how that's kind of developed down the years? Sure. Well, I mean, if you grow up in Greater Manchester and your father supports one team or the other, you, you don't really have a choice in the matter. Um, in, in previously, I've said it's like religion, but you can change religions relatively easily. Uh, it, it's more like a blood type in terms of it's so embedded in your family's makeup. If you're blue or if you're red, if, if you are a football family in Manchester. And so, uh, I, you know, my dad was a season ticket holder for years at City. He would follow them home and away. Uh, both he and my mom worked in the ticket office at Main Road uh, and would, you know, my dad uh, would kind of drop my mom off at his mother's and then go and watch the games. And I was like two or three weeks old, all that, all that kind of stuff. And so I was just brought up in this incredibly city rich <laughs> environment um in the, the late 80s early 90s and so it wasn't really a choice for me whether or not i supported city or not it was how much i was going to support city and i just kind of fully bought into it um which is strange because my my school days coincided with city's worst times and also united's glory days so being a city fan in greater manchester in 1990s and, and 2000s was not an especially fun experience to me but very character forming for sure uh and yeah i, I remember kind of being hooked from the, the first couple of games that i went to i became a season ticket holder in 97 98 uh which was the season we were relegated from division one to division two what is now the championship to league one uh and then uh so so yeah my first like five seasons as a city fan were relegation promotion promotion relegation promotion and then we stayed in the premier league and that was my first five seasons as a city fan uh which was in, you know an incredible whirlwind experience and i'm i'm sure i'm older for it right now like i've aged beyond my time because every, every season was just so nerve-wracking um but yeah i think my first game was 92 it was against sheffield wednesday or united my dad and i can never figure it out uh city won uh, i know that much we scored more than one goal 
Uh, and the only reason I remember that is because uh, I was four or five at the time and uh, my mum had warned my dad that I might not be super interested the whole game. game. 90 minutes. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a lot for, for a child with very short uh, attention span. So my dad brought plenty of snacks, um, including uh, cookies, but we call them biscuits in England. And uh, he said, when we score, you can have a biscuit. And so uh, about halfway through the first half, City scored. And the whole the whole stadium jumps up, apart from the away fans, obviously going, yes! And I'm, I'm like, biscuit! <laughs> uh, so... That's that's been a bit of a feature on our podcast now and again. Um, we've contemplated kind of having a biscuit of the month competition, and uh, as in like a biscuit is is like a particularly sweet goal that you see. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's uh, since then I've been I've been pretty much hooked. And um, and even since moving to uh, the US in 2014, I've tried to, to to kind of stay as much in touch with city as i can i when i go back over to manchester i go to as many games as i can while i'm there um i went to the in the uh, manchester derby in, in houston texas a, a few years ago and uh, watched phil foden make his city debut which was a lot of fun as well so yeah it's been um it's been a roller coaster and i, I wouldn't trade it for anything but uh you certainly have to have a sense of humor to be a City fan, or used to at least. Well, used to. Now it's uh, the incredible highs. So let's get to the football as we uh, take a look at the guys who are bringing the biscuits for uh, City this season and, well, into the future. So with the front line, the attack for Manchester City, that's been the big talking point, of course, over the last few years, just because it's so fun to watch. Kun Aguero, he's struggling with a little bit of injury right now. And I think the thought for a lot of outsiders, kind of outside looking in, is, oh, well, they, they've just got Gabi Jesus. You toss him in and then Foden and Sterling, and it's all good. But uh, the attack hasn't been as easygoing and as straightforward uh, as, as uh, one might think. How would you kind of characterize uh, the way that the attack has been uh, set up throughout the course of this season so far? Well, I'd, I'd start by saying that it's a very strange season. You know, even after Project Restart, that, that the whole kind of scenario is is very unusual. We're seeing kind of in, incredible results. You know, United losing 6-1 at home to Spurs. Then half an hour later, Liverpool seven lose 7-2 <laughs> at Villa. Had to, had to bring that up, obviously. Oh, but, uh, you know, City losing 5-2 at home to... to well, we, we lost 3-0 on penalties. It was a 2-2 draw, but we lost 3-0 on penalties because we conceded three <laughs> penalties in one game. Typical City. But we're seeing so many weird results. Um, that and, and I would count these kind of 1-0 wins that City seem to keep dra dragging out of uh, opposition to be among them. Um, and a lot of that is down to... I think energy conservation. Um, if you watch, if you, if you get caught any of City in Marseille in the Champions League last week, uh, that was probably our best performance of the season. We had a great performance away at Burnley in the League Cup. We seem to be saving those kind of attacking high energy performances for European and domestic cup competitions. Um, and, and Guardiola has gone on record on a number of occasions to say how tired the players are in terms of, you know, I think City got three or four weeks 
break, which wasn't really a break between their Champions League mm-hmm. quarterfinal exit and their first Premier League game. And there's no preseason there, but you still have to maintain match fitness for that entire time, pretty much. And so, um, you know, with the internationals that were happening then as well, there's we're in a, a strange situation where we're seeing more and more injuries and, and Liverpool are definitely feeling that um, more than more than most this year. Although I will say that yeah, most of your players were incredibly good with injuries for the, the last two seasons. Decently, um, decently fortunate. But I mean, yeah, everyone has been suffering through, of course, City. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, losing Kevin De Bruyne at times in the last couple of years. I mean, tons, yeah, tons I'm of Eric, these teams have yeah, been doing. Yeah, I'm Laporte was out for most of last season, um, and yeah, there's just so many um, injuries that that we, you know, Ben Mendy's never fit. Uh, not that he necessarily adds anything to our team now, um, but you know, Leroy Sane getting injured at the start of last season, so we didn't have any of him for his. He probably would have gone for buy to buy in for a lot more money in. Um, August of last year after the community shield. But uh, yeah. And, and I think uh, speaking of Sane and returning to, to kind of the topic of the attack, I think uh, Sane was definitely somebody who brought something different to our attack. Um, he was someone who we always seemed to play against Liverpool um, because he was able to exploit the high line that you guys play and get in behind Trent Alexander Arnold, who, I think has been exposed defensively on a few occasions by a few teams since then. Um, offensively, he's fantastic, but I, th- I think he he'll, he's more of a right wing back than a than a right back. Um, I don't know if, if if you agree with me on that. But and he's, he he can easily be a midfielder, but he definitely plays more as an old school winger as opposed to being when you think of the modern mm-hmm. right back. You would say like an Aaron Wan-Bissaka. He's not as good defensively, but of course that means that the other guy on the other side has to be as adept to bombing up and down mm-hmm. the wing to be able to keep with him. So, but, but to your point, yes, uh, there's been um, a, a, quite a bit of turnover and uh, guys coming in, guys going out with the uh, attack for Manchester city. So uh, you brought up Leroy Sané. I mean, what are, what are kind of your thoughts on uh, what happened with Sané? Was it just, he couldn't stay fit? Was, was he not a right fit um, for Manchester city? Or was it just as simple as he wanted to go back to Bayern? I mean, why, why is he, uh, why is he left at the summer? Um. Well, he was on, he was definitely in the last year of his contract, and right. so um, City wanted to get something for him. And by that time, he had made the decision that he wanted to go to Bayern. He still has family in Germany, and I get that, um, and I I respect that. And I think Sane is 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 the anomaly in terms of players that that City have been kind of forced to let go in their prime, uh, and I think. Um, he also was very hot and cold. There are certain teams that, uh, you know, he, he wasn't very good against teams who would come and low block. Um, and he he wasn't as, I don't think he pressed as much as, as Guardiola or even a Klopp as well would would want um and that's that's huge a huge part of, of city's city's game especially in the big games and so i'm i'm really excited by the signing of ferran torres whose city career has got off to a pretty good start in terms of his um goals and assists already uh he is 
he is someone who offers that something different. He's playing center forward a lot for us at the moment because we don't have anybody else there. That's um, not the long-term yeah. plan. He's just kind of a, a plug-and-play guy at center forward, right? Yeah, I think he his long-term is going to be him on the right, okay. uh, Raheem Sterling on the left, um, Foden, De Bruyne in behind a classic number nine. Whether I think they're still going to look for a number nine then going forward? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think um, Sergio Aguero's fitness issues are, are going to certainly force City's hand in that. Um, and Jesus, the whole mess. yeah, Jesus, Gabriel Jesus is his best games for us have been at like left wing back in a weird way. Like hmm. he played uh, his best two games for us, I would say, would be the Real Madrid games in in the last sixteen of the Champions League last season, where he just his pressing. He's the best presser in our team bar none and so he will always be in Guardiola's good books for that that being said um I think at the right offer came in for him and City had you know if City could get Haaland I think we would we would snap him up in a, in a second I think we would bypass our regular kind of uh re- reluctance to pay really really top dollar and um, you know City's record signing is Ruben Ruben Diaz 65 million um and the, the 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 kind of money that Haaland would demand would be way 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 more than that and so you say he'd be I, absolutely worth it I think um you know that guy's a gold machine uh, and I think depending on who City bring in to replace Pep if if they do bring in someone to replace him next season uh that that will be the key to that um you know Haaland's got the Haaland family has history at City which is I think a positive thing in our favor you know his uh Erling Haaland's dad was our captain for a couple of seasons and so um we have that maybe on our side but uh it's it's very much not City's regular strategy to go after the 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 most in-demand players we kind of go for that tier below and that's you know when Kevin De Bruyne was signed by City for 50 something million, he was called a, you know, the ex Chelsea flop. And it's, uh, no one's saying that anymore. Uh, well, there's so many and, superstars who are ex Chelsea flops. I mean, you just look at Liverpool with Mohamed Salah. So, yeah, uh, they're all exactly. over the place, apparently. Um, exactly. And so I think, um, the, the attack, I think, will grow, um, as this season continues. You know, it, as long as we have one. Number nine, um, even if it means Leon Delap coming back in, um, you know, youth prospects. Uh, shout out to the uh, city uh, under 18s today who won the uh, youth FA Cup um, this afternoon uh, against, against Chelsea. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic 3 2 win. Um, but we, there are so many players coming through that academy as well that. We are, we are spoiled for choice offensively, um, but it's defensively that uh, I'm very pleased with our transfer activity in the last couple of seasons. I think um, Ruben Diaz is a fantastic partner for Imeric Laporte. Um, and we now have depth in that position as well. Um, I'd like to see John Stones play more. Um, I think he's a very, very good defender on his day. He just doesn't get enough days to show that. Um, Nathan Arke was a fantastic signing from Bournemouth, um, can play left back. I think he will play left back against Liverpool on Sunday. Um, I think he'll get, a get, he'll get some game time tomorrow against Olympiacos to get match fitness back and he'll play uh, against uh, Salah on uh, on Sunday. Um, Rodri 
uh, coming into his own in the, in that central defensive midfield position, difficult to replace Fernandinho, who was quietly the best in that position, um, in in that kind of midfield for a long, long time in the Premier League. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 my my player of the season for City so far is Kyle Walker, uh, who's been. Incredible! Scored a scored a beauty. Was a screamer just uh, at the weekend. Yeah, but that's that's like that's not a part of his game that we, we <laughs> normally rely on. But I think um, he will eventually become a centre half as well. I think Gareth Southgate has used him in, in the England setup in that role on a number of occasions. And I think uh, Pep is realizing that City have been very very susceptible to the counter attack um, in 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 recent seasons, and so his pace for what 31 32 is still remarkable so i'm uh, i'm i'm glad to see that he's still doing well so i'm i'm really pleased with city squad at the moment i think we need a striker i think we need a left back but then if you look at the age profile of the squad the the academy pro- uh, prospects who are coming through i think once those two uh, positions are sorted i i think city will definitely be not very active in the transfer market going forward all right, so let's stick with the defense. I mean, I did want to get to the midfield, but uh, we can come back to uh, the center of the park. So looking at the defenders, of course, when, when people want to give Manchester uh, City some stick, talk about the fact that they've spent so much on the defense over mm-hmm. the last few years, and that's been looked at as the Achilles heel for the, for the squad. But as you mentioned, a lot of depth for City now at the back. Do you feel like Pep is comfortable with where they are with their squad depth at defense, or do they still kind of need to figure it out? Because it still seems like week to week. You never really quite know who's going to be back there, do you? No, and, and some of that is injuries as well. You know, I'm Eric Laporte did have that that huge knee injury um, that I mentioned earlier last season. Mm-hmm. And that has, uh, I think, any any knock that he gets, City very cautious about bringing him back on a slow timetable to make sure that the, the knee is strong enough each time to come back and play. Um, but yeah, I think that centre half partnership of Diash and uh, Laporte is, on paper, and, and based on what we've seen so far, the strongest partnership in the league in terms of leadership. Um, I would say. Um, I look at, you know, you could argue Van. I mean, Van Dyke is certainly the the highest profile. Um, Center half in the in the Premier League and was definitely the best center half in the Premier League last season. Bit of a shaky start to this season before it, it he, was a bad start. You, you can be honest. Um, not well, not but, up to but, his normal. But but I think that this is this is the this is the nature of football today. Is mm-hmm. that like we start to question that kind of thing based on a few a few isolated human, incidents yeah. compared a few to isolated incidents an incredible and, standard. Yeah, yeah. and. What I what I kind of always the, the drum that I beat on on Main Road Rumble is that City have never really been set up to be a defensive team. The the whole the whole kind of setup of City is to create as many chances as possible in a game, and if we converted the chances that we should, we shouldn't lose any games. We create a ridiculous number of chances. We're just pretty terrible at finishing them off which is why we need a striker uh and it's yeah and you know the number of the number of chances we create is 
insane compared to the number of goals that we score and we score a decent number of goals generally speaking uh but you know we miss penalties we had a period where we missed like four penalties in a row last season and it's those kinds of moments that cost you titles and cost you title challenges um and yeah it's it's those kinds of moments where things things are won and lost and liverpool had all of those things in in their favor last season you know they would they would get last minute winner after last minute winner and it wasn't that you were blowing teams out very often at all you were you were eking out victories 2-1 uh, one nil, three two, uh, and City were kind of drawing a game two two, but then going winning seven nil the next week. It's, um, it's, it's the consistency in being able to score on a regular basis that that separated Liverpool and, and City last season. And yeah, that's where I that's that's what I well that's what I believe anyway. Well, no, and, and it's just funny to hear you mention like, yeah, we need a number nine. We need to get a true striker in there. Liverpool fans have been saying the same thing. It, 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 it's always funny for these teams at the top. It's never to a point where it's like, all right, the squad's good enough. We're good. You're always going to have that insatiable appetite of, well, we could improve this. We can improve that. So it, it is funny for me to hear you say the same thing because you're literally saying the same thing that uh, Liverpool fans have been saying like, ah, oh, well, Salah, I don't know. He's a decent finisher. Not good enough. Of course, to rival fans, that sounds absolutely ludicrous. But when you watch your guys uh, week in and week out, you kind of get that different perspective uh, than but others I can, I can will have. S- I can also see where you're coming from too. It's it's not necessarily that City need a Haaland. Haaland is the dream. Right. But City need a Haaland type of player. They need someone who is tall, who is physical, who can offer just a different dynamic to the five foot three guys who do all the fancy stuff faster than anybody else but then can't get on the end of their head of of like a perfect cross from Kevin De Bruyne because they don't have the height and same thing with Trent Alexander-Arnold I imagine the number of balls that could that come in that if you if you had someone who was 6'4 not a target man in there exactly Mm -hmm. exactly um so yeah I think it's uh I can, I can see why we, we kind of feel like we have similar problems um but maybe we just both teams just don't play that way and we just want them to because that's that's the kind of route one football that, Could that, we're, that we were used to. <laughs> I think I think at the end of the day, as long as you're getting the wins, the fans are going to have less to gripe about as soon as it becomes a 2-1 win or it's uh, it's a little hairy or a draw or then a, a 7-2 loss, then blow the whole thing up. Klopp is an idiot. Pep doesn't know what he's talking about. Fire him, get him out. <laughs> Everyone panics, yeah. but that's that's the nature of fandom. All right. Well, we did kind of skip the midfield. Uh, let's go back into the midfield for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for you, what is the uh, the best midfield that City could throw out there on a regular basis if everyone were healthy? Because I think at least for us outside looking in, we have kind of a lot of questions about, well, who really is an attacking mid versus a, a winger? Is, is Foden going to be playing up front in the front three or is he attacking mid or do you put him on, on the right? Where, where does Mares factor into this? De Bruyne? Mm-hmm. How do you track him? So what is your preferred midfield? If say you're going to four three three midfield three. Well that's well you asked that's the assumption that everybody makes. I think that's that, yes, that is the assumption that we make. Yes. Because Pep has, has played a four three three forever. Klopp has played a four three three for his, for most of his time during the during the Premier League. But I think especially for games against Liverpool that the the formation does need to to take a little squeaking and it might be a, it might look like a four-three-three, 
but the it's a double pivot so it's a four two one three rather than a four one two three but for me i i like I like Bernardo Silva's energy. He covers more ground than any other player when he's on the pitch. Um, and I think in those big games where the, the midfield is is so often, especially against Liverpool, they love to bypass the midfield completely. Um, you know, basically Trent and uh, Robertson just like to keep the ball between themselves just by spraying 50-yard passes across the, uh, the pitch to each other. Um, that seems to be like... Liverpool do seem to be very route one um, in terms of their, they wait they wait for their opposition to make an error in the, their third and then they counter-attack with ridiculous energy and pace. And um, I think City needs to be very aware of that, which is why Kyle Walker definitely needs to play. Um, it's why we, we need to maybe have Ake play at left-back so that we're more defensive-minded in that, in that area as well. Um, I would love to see. I can get. I can give you my preferred lineup for Sunday. If yeah, let's if, go for if it. Let's go for it. your That's the easiest way to do it. So yeah. Edison in goal, uh, because he's our only fit senior keeper. Zach Steffen and Scott Carson are both injured. Um, so we had to call up the youth team keeper who should have been playing tonight for City mm. uh, in the uh, FA Cup youth final, uh, but is instead uh, back at the Etihad waiting to be on the bench against Olympiacos because he's the literally only other fit keeper that we have who has actually played a game um, for City, I think. Uh, so Edison in goal, back four of Walker, Diash, Laporte, Arke, sitting two of Rodri, who will do most of the sitting, and Bernardo, who will kind of be a bit more flexible. Um, I would then have... This is based on neither Gabriel Jesus or Sergio Aguero being fit. Okay. Um, and so uh, De Bruyne uh, and Foden kind of floating around. So it kind of, it, it sounds more like a 4 4 2, but um, it's more like a 4 2 4 2 4, yeah. I guess. Right. Um, but that 4 is just so fluid um, that it's. It's, there isn't really a, a designated striker in there, but yeah, I'd play uh, Foden. Who do I have? Foden, Torres, uh, and I think I said Sterling. Um, Sterling, okay. Yeah, so Sterling um, Torres are the two mm -hmm. more forward advanced players, and then. But Foden if Jesus is fit, I play Jesus over Sterling just because it's Liverpool and. Sterling seems to have a bit of a block against Liverpool. Well, there's no, there's no fans there, and this is at the Etihad, I remember. So, if it were at Anfield, night, tons of fans, maybe. But mm -hmm. Sterling yeah, did get off okay. the snide, got his first against Liverpool in the last matchup at the Etihad. So, right the hot hand. I don't know. Scored in the Community Shield against you as well, and the Community forget. Shield. Don't forget <laughs> the all important Community Shield. So, uh, as we take a look at uh, kind of what's going to go for this game. Uh, before we get to a true prediction, just what does the game plan look like for City to come away with three points against Liverpool? Take your chances. Uh, and that, that goes for any City game. Um, starting fast, pressing well, getting an early goal and then following that up and capitalizing on your chances after that because when City get one they will normally then create a number of other chances straight after that and that that is the 
that is the zone. If if City score soon after, they'll win. If City don't score soon after, that's when the doubt starts to creep in and the opposition starts to, to get more into the game. Um, save your first shot on target as well. The number of times that City just dominate, 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 and the first shot the opposition have on target goes in is, is I could, if I had a, a dollar for every time that happened, I I could probably quit my job. Uh, maybe maybe not quite that 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 much, but it's it feels like that much as a fan. So just take your chances uh, and don't overcommit to attacks as well. Um, you don't need to fill that space, uh, and you don't need to fill the box because we're not big enough to be challenging uh, the height that Liverpool have at the back. So why crowd why, why crowd that area and risk the counter attack? Um, so yeah, just take your chances basically and keep it tight all right well john as we wrap up give me your score prediction for sunday and then i'm going to tell you why you're wrong okay um (laughs) i'm actually i'm normally very uh reasonable with my score prediction reasonable or pessimistic because those are i i i I think i'm pretty i'm pretty i'm pretty reasonable i'm pretty rational about it um but there is as a diehard long to you know lifelong city fan there is definitely that sense of how how a city going to snatch defeat from jaws of victory this time uh, i like my my heart says it it'll be like 3-1 city but my head says 2-2 so um yeah probably 2-1 city on that basis then uh, that is uh, spoken like a true lifelong City fan because I'm expecting you to come up with, it's going to be 4-0, Virgil van Dijk's out, we're going to take them and run roughshod. But I, I think those are very fair, as you mentioned, very fair um, analysis of uh, what the game should be. The way I'm kind of looking at it, uh, the only reason why I do feel pretty good for Liverpool going in, they're starting to get healthier. Uh, not just at the back, but Thiago Alcantara, you mentioned that Liverpool have kind of bypassed the midfield altogether. Well, with Thiago in there, Liverpool have seen an uptick in chances, the way that they controlled the game against Chelsea and the way they controlled against Everton, even though that ends up being a draw. Liverpool uh, have seen kind of a, a, a new revelation come into the midfield. So I'm really interested to seeing uh, how that battle plays out. But I think 2-2... That's probably a good way to go. I wouldn't be uh, surprised, though, if this ends up being uh, like the crap nil-nil we saw at Anfield a couple years ago, missed penalty at the end or something stupid like that, where the two teams are just kind of boxers filling each other out. Well, yeah, but it, it could be a really strange result because in, in some respects, this isn't as as important a game, I don't mm-hmm. think, as it has been in, 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 in past years, simply because this season... Both teams are going to drop points in games that you don't expect mm-hmm. them to, just because of the nature of how weird. And you know, if if half your team is out with uh, because they're quarantining because of COVID, then you know you're, you're gonna you're gonna lose to a Leicester or a uh, I don't know, even even a Villa. Uh, well, that, that's maybe more Liverpool than City. Well, maybe more out. Liverpool than City, but then uh, Leeds will be coming for you next time around too. Yeah, well, I mean, they all, there, you there's never a day them. off in the Prem. I think we can all there, always agree to that. It's true. Very, very strong league. Yes. And uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Well, I'm kind of excited and nervous for Sunday. I think, I think, I speak for both of us when I say I think we'd probably 
both take a draw if it was offered to us now 100 mm-hmm. <laughs> percent. just 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 to be like okay we, do, we neither of us need a defeat to the other at this stage in the season it's more, it's less about the points and more about the psychology i think at this point i don't think there's ever been a nil nil that i would take more than this game upcoming because the worst thing that can happen is that city go smash liverpool and kick on of course if liverpool do the opposite well you don't really feel like city are going to go away but we, mm-hmm. we will, of course, see as this season shakes out. Well, John, really appreciate you joining us here on Tampa Bay Cop Talk tonight for Rambling Rivals. Your podcast is Main Road Ramble, but do you have anything else going on in the works outside of the podcast that you'd like to promote? Uh, no, I mean, I'm just a pr- pretty sad person, really, I guess. I just <laughs> I just do my podcast. Just and talk football and enjoy life. I just talk, I talk, I talk football. I um play soccer with my two-year-old daughter and that's very important don't get me wrong um but it's uh you know that's 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 life in covid massachusetts at the moment and so that's what you know i'm 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 happy and i'm healthy and i'm i'm okay with that so um but if anyone you know anyone has a podcasting job they want to offer me i'd be very interested to talk to you about it <laughs> only if you're going to pay me that yeah, of course, of course. Got to get your agent on the phone. We'll, we'll, yeah, so we, uh, we are, yeah, we are at, we are yeah. at Main Road Ramble uh, on on Twitter, and so you can follow us there. You can subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify. I think we're in a ton of other places as well. But those are the two places that I listen to my podcasts. Um, we might start doing a YouTube thing soon. Um, I'll, I'll see what if I can talk to the other guys about it. Maybe after they see this, it, they'll either love it or they'll be like, "No, we're never doing anything like that." Um, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how my uh, performance is rated uh, by uh, the Main Road Ramble Slack channel later on. I don't know. I think you put in a man of the match type performance. I do really appreciate your time, John. Um, fans, thank you for joining us, and hopefully for John's sake, uh, it's a decent game, but not too good of a game. Liverpool take three points against City at the weekend. All right, come on, City.